It's Traumedy Tuesday. You are listening to Traumedy, the podcast that shows us how to take our pain and play with it. I'm your host, Nancy Norton. I'm a comedian. I'm a former nurse. I'm studying therapeutic humor. And I am also a trauma survivor. And I want you to know you're not alone. That's the main purpose of this podcast to help people know you are not alone out there. We have been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. We can show each other how to get through it. This is peer-to-peer learning. I'm not an expert, but I'm a speaker. I talk about the power of humor, why we need it, why it should be a higher priority. Humor helps us heal. It bonds us with others. It gives us resilience and much, much more. Make humor a higher priority in your day and see the results yourself. My guest this week is Liz Glazer. She's an award-winning comedian, a writer, and an actor. And she was very patient with me because I kept getting dyslexic on time zone. She lives on the East Coast, and I kept, (laughs) I just kept transposing and getting goofed up on our schedule. And she is very courageous as she takes on a very difficult subject, the stillborn birth of her daughter. A lot of people would say, That might be the hardest topic, the death of a child. And again, not necessarily making light of the death, but finding humor around the situation. If you've suffered the tragic loss of a child, I hope that this episode helps you know that you're not alone. Hi. (laughs) Okay, we got it. Hi, Liz. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I'm doing well. First of all, just thank you so much for rescheduling three times because oh, I, yeah. man, that I've done that before. Have you done yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, my. Well, because I, I was between LA and New Jersey for three years because Karen and I, that's my wife, were dating when I lived in LA. And I was used to going one way with it. But then if I went the other way for an appointment or a phone call or whatever, I I just always got it wrong. So I really, really relate. And it's like, thank you. No big deal. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is Liz Glazer, an award-winning comedian, writer, and actor. And I consider you a friend, Liz, because I met you. Uh, in 20, was it 2019? Yeah. And you, you loaned me 20 bucks. That's the first thing that ever happened between us. Nancy, well, that's, because why, that's why I'm calling you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I did. I paid you back. On oh, okay. Yeah. I, I can't remember why I, maybe I just didn't have cash and why did we need cash? I needed 20 bucks. <laughs> and I, and you loaned me 20 bucks. And I, I was thinking about that because I knew I'd talk to you. So thanks for loaning me 20 bucks. Well, that's interesting that you remember that. I have no memory yeah. of that. I have no memory of that. You know, it, well, there's it, no reason for you to remember it because <sighs> it, first of all, I mean, I paid it back. It was like a done transaction within five minutes. Like a, Venmo, probably, like a Venmo kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I needed cash. You had cash. And then I Venmoed you right away. So like from your perspective, I could see forgetting it. I wish I remembered why, but I do remember that I needed it. It might have been for parking. That's my, you know what came to me was parking. Cause I feel like yeah. the, the night we met, 
we were yeah. okay. We so let's just say we were in the yeah. Seattle International Comedy Competition together, which you won. Oh, and like what? By the way, such <laughs> flying colors, and it was so I, obvious from the beginning. It was so wonderful to watch you, truly. Uh, and yeah, I remember because you were just coming off of winning Boston, and then you won Seattle, and it, it was just like, like I mean, it's wonderful to watch someone who you know you know, do well. And at that point, I mean, I was watching someone who had loaned me 20 bucks do well. So I <laughs> consider that a friend, but then we became friends. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. I, and, you know, you're, you're very generous uh, to, to speak of me that way. And I, I want to just say thank yeah. you. And it feels good. I'm smiling because I have been doing comedy so much longer than most of the mm -hmm. people in these competitions. But oh, I, sure. I mean, the reason I did those competitions, honestly, was because I never got to fruition of doing a late night talk show and still have not. Like mm. when I started back in my day, uh, the Tonight right. Show was a big deal. And yeah. as a kid, that's my parents let me stay up. I knew from four years old, I'm like, I'm going to do that. I would, I would, I right. really knew it. And I had no idea how to do it. I was a late yeah. bloomer. I mean, you and I both have different careers. I was a sure. registered nurse and you were a yeah. lawyer and a tenured law professor before. True. Yes. What? So uh, I came into it at 27 when I was helping people through the dying process as a mm -hmm. hospice nurse. I hit me really hard. Like, I am going to die, you know, because you have that mm -hmm. immortality thing in their 20s. And, yeah. you know, and then I was like, sure. oh, I am going to die. What do I wish I had done? Because I, I was a good nurse. I have five generations of nurses behind me that wow. a lot of imprinting, a lot of I am a healer. Huh. I do believe that now I'm yeah. healing with humor. And sure got the call. And then what about you? How did you get the call to do comedy? What called you? Well, so, I mean, what's, what's sticking out to me just from the jump is the, the 27, which was not when I started comedy. I started comedy at 33, but I started teaching law at 27. And so when you said 27, I was like, oh, that's interesting. 27. I feel, I mean, there's all the people who like kill themselves at 27. That's a thing like the 27. Yeah. Club. The forever 27. Right. 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 So, um, you know, which is obviously, I mean, very unfortunate, but it's interesting that time period. So for me th at that time, I started teaching law. Um, I had been a practicing lawyer for a couple of years, just out of law school, wanted to teach or like thought I wanted to teach. And it's not to say, I mean, cause just like you say, you're, you're a healer as a nurse and you're also a healer as a comedian. I think I taught as a teacher and also as a comedian, like there's not that much of a difference. It's just the fact that like at the end of your set, there's not like a test and nobody needs to remember something. And you know what I mean? But like, ultimately you are putting out information that resonates for them, which is what you're doing as a teacher. And you've got the stuff that you want to say, which is the same as in class, you know, which is like, it might not be what your soul is calling you to say as it is maybe in comedy or other art forms, but like, you know, I would go into class. I had like, okay, here's what's on deck for, for class. And then I had to figure out how to make it relevant to them and how to get their attention and how to hook them in. And I think that that's similar 
in comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a direct application you know, right there. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I get it now. Because a lot of times we're talking about here's something that happened to me or here's something that I have a strong opinion about. But it doesn't mean that everybody in the audience or even anybody in the audience has the same experience or opinion, but they may be able to, to hook into something, which is why I think in both law and comedy, I don't know about nursing, obviously, because I don't know about nursing, but there's analogies like that's the game is like figuring out like, you know, you know, when you're X, Y, Z, right? Like it's the same thing in law school um, where you're constantly thinking of analogies and hypotheticals, because the thing is that then the general principle applies independent of the analogy. Right. Yes, it's true. It yeah, absolutely. And I am. I thought, ooh, this is going to challenge me today. I've got to have yeah. another sip of Earl Grey tea to stay sharp. Uh-huh. And I wish I had taken my morning Adderall. Oh, uh, really? No, but no. Well, <laughs> no, just because I'm like, okay, Nancy, you have to, you have got to stay really present. In because I'm a lot of times. <laughs> sure. I'm, no, a lot of times I'm in my body environment, and I'm a little bit uh-huh. lazy at this age. But absolutely, it makes sense. So it transfers the the, yeah. the philosophy of it transfers yeah. to any any discipline. And that's where we're trying to find these, like you said, I like that you mentioned XYZ, which also brings up the XYZ axis. And we're finding these intersecting Uh, points, right? Yeah. Where where do we intersect? Of course we have differences. And that's that's often the launching point of standup where Mm -hmm. here, and that's why a lot of people start with, like I, and I don't know how this lands with you as a lesbian. Mm -hmm. I think we can safely say, you yeah. are identified as a lesbian. You have a wife. Or is that true? I don't even want to tell you what yes. you are. are you yes, a, yes. You are yeah. self-identified as a lesbian, which I mm-hmm. was for 20 years. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I, and now I'm more, I call myself an omnisexual. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I'm barely, I'm, I'm barely sexual is what I should be. Uh-huh. That's barely, I, I have not had sex in so long. And that joke, I hate to say that my act is self-fulfilling prophecy, but I, sure. it was a joke when I wrote the bisexual joke, but uh-huh. I tell you what, my subconscious new stuff was, uh, it has been, so I, you know, my joke about being a bisexual, bisexual, having yeah. sex every 3.14159 years <laughs> and it, it has been over three years, I have to say. Wow. So I'm a little rusty. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. This is the longest uh, stretch of. Oh, I don't want to say celibacy. I will just say longest stretch of uh, not having a sexual, having a sex partner uh, in my adult right. life. But hey, right. hey, okay. I, hey. That, that I'm, I, you know, you don't need that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying it's no, interesting No, I'm happy to, me. to receive the information for <laughs> sure. Well, and I think, yeah, that that does happen. I'm trying to think of a specific example, which isn't coming to mind right now of like, you know, a joke and then it becomes um, that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. Well, and when we, and when, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say when we did the Seattle international comedy competition Mm -hmm. and there were, there were, and the the thing I, I'm so uh, sensitive about in comedy is I will watch all the other acts. I always do because, Mm -hmm. because at this point I have enough material where we don't need to duplicate stuff or even a word. I don't like a a specific word like lesbian. There were two other comics. I think it was it Mm -hmm. Mike. Devore, is it, or Devore? Yes. How does he say his name? Yeah. Devore? He did guess, a joke about yeah. looking like a lesbian, right? Because he's got, right. he wore the big flannel shirt. Yes. And then you are an out lesbian. And then I'm like, yes. and I'm doing jokes about being a retired lesbian. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a lot of lesbian on the show, which is good mm-hmm. in one way that were the word, at least because in my day, back in the 90s when I came out and mm-hmm. on Evening at the Improv in 1994, I keep saying it because. I want points for it, man, because it yeah. was before Rosie O'Donnell came out. It was before 
Ellen DeGeneres. And mm. um, anyway, but the point is now uh, that's a cool thing because we we used to be sort of in, considered ourselves a little bit invisible as lesbians. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, so, okay. But I remember it forced me to write a joke because that, that where I can't remember, we were up north of Seattle at a restaurant bar place. And mm-hmm. that night I remember I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to pull out all the tricks, you know, from doing the mm-hmm. one nighters. And then you went up right before me and I was like, back to back lesbians. And then I did that mm-hmm. thing where you lock elbows back to some, with somebody's back when they're, mm-hmm. and then I was doing this thing, like whenever somebody searches, cause I guess uh, lesbian porn is very popular. I was like, nobody mm-hmm. is searching back to back lesbians in there. Uh, <laughs> and when I was doing that little seesaw thing, I don't know. It made right. me giggle. But yeah. on a subconscious level, I think what I want to get at with traumedy, what we yeah. do naturally as comedians is take our pain and play with it. And so yeah. there is a little bit of pain there because people objectify us as women, as lesbians. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because that is, I used to do this joke, like when I came out, I would say half the people are disturbed and the other half are trying to picture me with their wives. And it said a lot and it got a big laugh at that. I actually expressed a lot of tension because this was Mm the nineties. This was the mid nineties. And I was on one night, one nighters in tiny towns in Texas and Montana and Hmm. sometimes getting threatened in the parking lot afterwards. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was kind of intense, but I was, I was like a lesbian missionary. Yeah. (laughs) I was on a mission. Everybody needed to meet the lesbian next door. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that might be why my uh, career has been on a very gradual rise. <laughs> it's okay. I yeah. We all have our mission. Um, hey, so here's okay, Liz. I yeah. What touched my well heart and soul is your comedy around the loss of mm-hmm. your child. And yeah. I want to I want to tiptoe in here because it's so delicate. Yeah. And for me, you know, I, I've had miscarriages and the biggest loss of thank you. It's such a wow. It's such a private loss sometimes. And I'm right. loving that you're bringing things to the surface. And mm-hmm. I have in the last couple of years, uh, well, more than that, probably been able to play with that pain in a way mm-hmm. that might feel outrageous to some people, but folks that are like you and me, who that's what we do. It's uh, understandable. Doesn't mean I'm not, I don't have reverence for my loss. It means this is how I yeah. yeah. Well, I think also that there's, I find it interesting that people go right to saying that having humor around loss is irreverent because I I wish to take issue with that. Um, I don't think it is. I think that it can be, right? Like there are situations in which like if you're, you know, going up to someone and be like, you know, sticking your tongue out and putting your thumbs in your ears and saying like, nah, nah, you lost somebody, then that's, that's like making fun of somebody's loss, right? But like, I think in many instances and certainly this was something that I thought a lot about as I was putting together the hour that would become a very particular experience, which was my album that came out about 
the stillbirth of my and my wife's first daughter, Leo Pearl of blessed memory. And also um, I talked about other griefs or grieves, I guess, in there. Um, I think it's griefs. I don't know. Um, but the plural, are you looking? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I, I mean, the thing is that, so we lost our, our daughter, um, our first daughter because she was stillborn. And that was something, you know, that we didn't know until we went to the hospital and she was delivered stillborn. And it was like, obviously hugely tragic and sad and also confusing and confusing because I think like, you know, for me, I had lost my father, um, during the pandemic, not of COVID, uh, which is the no homo of dying during the pandemic. That is a joke. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was sad to lose my dad. Right. But he was 73 years old. He had died of heart disease. It was not like, you know, it was surprising in the moment that he died. But like when I, was thinking about his life, I was able to like call upon memories. And when I missed him, I missed certain qualities about him and ways that he would be in life. And I didn't have that when I was experiencing the loss of our stillborn daughter for obvious reasons, because she never lived. She did exist, but what does it mean to live, but not to, or sorry, to exist, but not to live. And so it, it not only was like sad, but it also called up these like existential questions about the nature of life and the nature of love and the nature of grief that I really had and felt like I had a lot to say about, not only because I experienced that loss of Leo, but also because I had experienced it at around the same time that I experienced the loss of my dad and then also the loss of our cat, Mona. And so those two, Mona and my dad, examples of other types of grief that I had also recently experienced at around the same time, you know, I had material around, I had jokes around, and I was able to, you know, construct a narrative where those were kind of like, other types of grief that maybe people listening who might not have experienced pregnancy loss might understand, you yeah, know? Right. Of course, um, because it is a very, me. I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, 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 please. Oh, no, well, and, and, because it, yeah. I was just gonna say, because it is such a, I feel it is such a unique experience yeah. and I did not take a baby to term that would be mm-hmm. called stillbirth uh, right. to uh, in some ways it's different uh, I mean obviously I mean we don't need to qualify or quantify yeah, but, I, I but, mean, I think, but the fact right. that I could never hold this baby and that was yep. even in the short short time how yep. far my heart and soul wrapped around this being yeah. and and sure. and in anticipation and and excitement and it woke up all that mothering energy in me and I never got to hold that baby and it just that feeling of just and I did I actually and I did a oh a storytelling about it where I went around holding an an imaginary like it's such a tiny at that gestation I was only Mm -hmm. two months gestation I mean it's so short Mm -hmm. but amazingly how expansive and I went around with my palm in front of me as if I'm holding this tiny bean size being anyway and then you have this Mm -hmm. beautiful baby that you see and and Mm -hmm. she's and she's not alive and I can't I just know and did you got to hold her and we did. Yeah. So there's, 
I mean, and you know, I imagine hospitals may differ, but like where we were, you know, the protocol was like, they, they put you skin to skin right away with the baby, which is like pretty jarring. I would say, um, I don't mean that to say it's right or wrong. It's just a super, I mean, it's a super weird, tragic moment. Um, no matter, I, I can't imagine that it's never not in some way. Um, and I also imagine that there are like good reasons to do what the protocols seem to be, which is kind of similar to if you have a baby that's alive, um, which is where, you know, you get the baby skin to skin kind of right away. Uh, and there, there seems to be protocol too of like, you want to, you know, physically interact with the baby and they want you to like read to the baby and sing to the baby and take pictures together. Um, which I have a joke about that on the album. Um, but like it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a weird surreal situation. Right. Um, and I, but I mean, from my wife's and my perspective, I mean, obviously I can only speak for myself, but I think that like, you know, we saw eye to eye on this, that like, we just wanted to do whatever they said because we were so shocked and we were like, okay, if they, you know, the nurses and everybody at the hospital is saying that these are the things we should do in order for us not to regret it later, then we will. And I, I actually like, I kissed Leo, our stillborn daughter on the forehead. And so I was able to like really feel her skin. And I do remember that moment. Um, mm, that's beautiful. So, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a super weird thing. Yeah. I, yeah. There's, yeah. I mean, not, yeah, nothing that you could have ever anticipated or prepared for. Yeah. And yet, yeah. like you said, when you're in shock, your frontal lobe is offline. You just mm. have, you're just got to trust uh, the people around you. And, and I'm glad yeah. you had that moment. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I shouldn't say, uh, well, I'm glad, I guess it sounded like you're glad that you did have that moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I do remember it and it's like, right. It's tough in when you, when one speaks of like enormous tragedy is to be like, I'm glad or I'm thankful, but yes, I get it. And I am, I mean, I'm not glad it happened, Obviously, yeah. but right. But like, I can appreciate that it happened and also that there were choices that my wife and I and each of us individually made that we're proud of, including doing the album. You know, to me, that was that was a big thing. And going back to what we were saying like a moment ago, just on the like humor out of pain. Right. Yes. Like. I think it's so, I really do think it's so interesting, this business of policing, um, you know, what it is that we talk about, because I really, I just think that that's like, so not okay to do. Um, and, and I've gotten it from people who have had stillbirths, uh, and they're like, listen, I didn't talk about it for 10 years and I don't think you should talk about it. And I'm like, okay, I know you. people project their <laughs> rules onto yeah. us. And, yeah. and that is one of the things I say here is we are not speaking as experts on any one topic. Sure. We are speaking on our own. This is peer to peer learning and sharing. And we are sharing oh, yeah. our process as individuals right. and 
I am studying therapeutic humor. I'm in a program to get certified nice. as a in therapeutic humor. And that's my thing right now is defending gallows and dark humor for nurses, yeah. first responders, and people who are whatever you're coping with, with your trauma, because we do feel, especially I've noticed this with nurses because it's a caring profession, like, oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't joke mm. about, I just witnessed this trauma and when you witness trauma, it's the same as having it. Your mind ex- right. has vicarious trauma and your bo- your mind and body experience the same way. And you need to express that. So that's part of what I'm doing here. And then the difference that you brought up, if somebody is talking about my trauma, uh, that mm-hmm. gets into what is called maladaptive humor, where it is aggressive and divisive and hurtful. Ah. And then there's adaptive humor, which is what you're doing, which is a- expressing your pain, getting it out of your body, mixing the light with the dark and transmuting it, and also putting everything in this bigger, bigger perspective so that you can manage and cope and, and be healthy. Because it, it right. does. I mean, you can imagine when grief gets stuck in the body, if it's not expressed, it can become illness. That's what I think. And I think that when people say that there's stuff that's like, you know, not funny about certain topics, what those people who say that are telling grieving people who may find humor helpful in their grief is that they're not allowed that route to healing. And worse, you know, the people who say this, I think they think they're helping by like decreeing this too soon business. But like, you know, I mean, the joke lands or it doesn't. Right. And that's the beautiful thing about comedy is that there's such a democracy about it. And so, you know, one crowd may not be into something that another crowd is into. And that just, you know, whatever, that's the way of comedy always. So the idea that there's certain topics that are off limits, I think is just like silly. And I also think, you know, and this is what I was saying before that, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, I didn't say this before, but like, it is also true that people ask me like whether my wife was okay with my doing the album. And I, I mean, she was more than okay with it. She really was very into it. And part of the reason I think for that is she recognized that the way that I was going to treat the topic humorously was not going to be like disrespectful. So, you know, I spent a lot of times working out the jokes for the album, obviously, but I also spent as much time trying to think of what do I want to say? Like not a funny thing, but like, what are these jokes in service of? Yeah, I love that. I love that idea. And you and I, I feel are in alignment with that. There's something in me that needs to, I used to have a little posted about just, it just said conscious comedy. I don't know. And it is, I, maybe that is what all comedians are doing. I'm not sure, but I love that you're clear about it, that you're very conscious of it. You're like, what is the message underneath it? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, in a way I always try to be, but I think for this album specifically, because I knew I was taking on a big, serious, tragic topic. And I also wanted to honor the memory of my daughter and my wife's daughter. And so I was really careful to, you know, be conscious of what I wanted to say. And I didn't want to do the album if it didn't have that kind of message. But I think you're right in a broader sense, too, because 
I, I mean, I got my start in comedy in a way in the law school classroom. I didn't know I was doing it at the time. So it was absolutely not conscious. But when I was 27 years old and I was first, you know, first on the tenure track, first year of this job where I was like, oh my God, they're calling me professor. I don't know a damn thing. You know, I was so scared out of my mind to have this job that I had. And I get out of class one day and one of my colleagues, who was a senior member of the faculty, says to me, he's like, Liz, what are you doing in that classroom? It sounds like a comedy club. And it's such a funny memory to have because at the time I was so horrified. I was like, oh, my God, I they're not they're going to fire me. They're not going to give me tenure. You know, they're not going to take me seriously because I was a 27 year old kid teaching yeah. law school. And now I look back at that moment and I'm like, oh my, why wasn't I taping my sex? You know what I mean? Like, what what could I have possibly been saying? But I think, I think one of the, the upshots of that story and that moment is like when I was teaching property law, of course I knew what my message was. I wasn't there planning the jokes. The jokes were not planned and necessarily an afterthought. Because what I was there to do was to teach them, you know, the rules of first possession, right? Or the rules of adverse possession or whatever it was for that day of class, because that was the point. The jokes were just the applesauce that goes with the with the medicine, right? And, yeah. And the contrast, perhaps, of what you're imagining is in, what's, well, what's in your subconscious about that? What, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the, anything about the possession laws, but well, just, just am- whatever, yeah, whatever well, yeah. the, di- the lesson of the day was. Yeah, no, no, I know. But I just am saying yeah. like, if that was an example, you know, yeah. behind that, there's this, uh, there's, the, I mean, and this is sort of an overgeneralization about comedy, but to express something that's been unexpressed and that needs, you know, that gets let out. So there's this little yeah. tension between the law and who we are or in the law and how it developed yeah. and that kind of thing. And you just, right. and comedians just have those natural connections. I mean, if your mind yeah. works that way and yeah. I don't know where it comes from. I'm always fascinated. I do. Now this is me. I, I got to admit, I've been so preachy on this podcast about spirituality, uh, but I've had okay. a big spiritual awakening. I'm in a recovery program right. for. Oh, same. Co- yeah. Uh, I'm in for uh, I'm in. Re- I, I've, I, I worked a program for three years for uh, codependency and then I mm-hmm. I transferred. I transferred mm-hmm. my credits <laughs> yeah. over to adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. I just gotcha. I mean, I could do both at the same time, but my, I just don't. Yeah. I do one. Right. But that program working those 12 steps, there has been uh-huh. a spiritual awakening. Awakening. And I mean, yeah. it was profound. Like I already had a spiritual belief, but yeah. the level has gone up exponentially where I'm mm. having goosebumps all the time, where I feel guided by spirit. And I just huh. feel like humor is a language of God. That is my belief that that is an interface to higher power. I don't understand it exactly, but that's just something that I feel yeah. my, whatever those are, the muses, my spirit guides, whatever you want to call it, that yeah. it just, I feel is a gift that comes to help manage tension and stress and trauma. Yeah. So, Hey, one of the things we do is we'll take a bit, if you're willing, and I don't know what you're, you know, if you're allowed to play your clips on this podcast, like, I don't know if you're under a contract or anything with your oh, album. Yeah. I think I have to ask the record company. Oh, okay. Well, so it may not, yeah. it may not work to play the clip itself and that's okay. We can just re- sure, tell, people, yeah. go, tell people to go listen to your album, Oh yeah, which yeah, the name of it do. again is 
a very particular experience. And then I saw you on social media posting Still Born, and somehow I thought that was the name of the yes. album. Is that a track so, of it, or is what is that? It's not. So, okay. So I was supposed to record an album at the end of 2021 uh, that was called Born Sorry. And Born Sorry is a punchline of a joke of mine that I was telling at the time. Not that I don't tell it anymore, but like, whatever. That was like a big punchline at the time. And my wife at the time was pregnant with our daughter that would be our stillborn daughter. And so what I was thinking was going to happen with that album was that it was going to be an album full of my wife is pregnant type jokes and me anticipating parenthood And that was what it was going to be about. And again, I was going to record it at the end of 2021. Then we had a stillbirth and that album recording was postponed. Um, And then I recorded on the one year anniversary of the stillbirth, this album that would become a very particular experience. But when I was advertising the album recording, I advertised it as stillborn sorry, because a lot of the people who ended up being the people who came uh, knew that I was going to record the album born sorry. Uh... Then, then we had a stillbirth. So there was this, you know, beautiful, unfortunate, but beautiful pun that was on the table uh, to just add the word still And then it was like a nod to that prior show and album that wasn't. And also what's true is I'm currently finishing up a documentary about the making of a very particular experience, which was, you know, the album that actually was recorded, the album that my prior desire to record an album became. Um, And that documentary will be called stillborn sorry because in that documentary there is the story of the born sorry album and then the album that resulted so that makes sense that it's called stillborn sorry oh thank you for explaining that and sure just have a great feeling about I know like you talk about being of service I know that that album and that documentary are Mm. helping hundreds or thousands of people who have gone through this process. I know it. It's just a knowing, Mm. you know, that I have. And I mean, I don't mean to be all omniscient here, but it's just wonderful. And thank you for, thank you for taking, taking your pain and being willing to well, share it as, and I, I know as if you had a choice, I, I actually was, I, I'm, I'm, my ADHD is like filling in the blanks sometimes when I should let <laughs> you say that, you know, because oh, no, I, no, I know that you I had to, I know that you had to. And it's yeah, interesting. You're right. To, it's interesting to me that, uh, the birthing of creativity, you know, the birthing mm. of your album and the, the, the birthing of your, of your daughter and both of those being thwarted. And I think that's a, not a great word. I wish I had a better one that were just like crushing, crushing loss. And I am so sorry for your loss. And I have not expressed that. No, Uh, no. I mean, it's just, uh, just, uh, there's no, mm, no words, no words. But then uh, to take it and say, okay, I gotta, I I have to keep moving. I have to Mm -hmm. live. And now you have a daughter. 
another do. daughter, yeah. a second, your second daughter, or do you? you yeah. See, yeah. She's. Yeah. Here. I mean, we, we do usually, you know, because both like I through comedy and my wife is a rabbi and she's also been public about the loss of Leo, our stillborn daughter. Um, you know, we do keep in mind that like, I don't know, we still say, you know, she's not our firstborn in a way. And we, we do take the time typically to like give the whole story. I mean, a side note on that, I think that that's the thing that's so interesting to me about pregnancy loss is that like the people that we believe we're burdening in not talking about it are like other people in a conversation. And it's kind of like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you can, I think that, that there's just this discomfort around the multitudes of emotions and waves that exist in life. Like it is possible for us to welcome our daughter, Eloise, who's now approaching. I mean, she's a little over two weeks old Aww, and she's, she's, so she's tiny still. amazing. And <laughs> it's, you know, it's a wild, amazing, it, and, and we feel so lucky and joyous and like truly the joy of parenting is overwhelming to me. Mm. And I feel like it's not that joy is so present and overwhelming that I don't feel threatened and I don't think that that joy is at all threatened by also acknowledging the pain of loss. And I think that like, I don't know, it's kind of like, sometimes I remember from growing up this idea of like, don't ruin a nice day kind of thing. Like we were having such a nice day. Oh man, you know? that sounds like my mother. Like yeah, I, I always yeah. do this thing with the codependent salute, like from the neck up, like I have this salute, uh -huh. like let's keep it here up. Okay. Let's have yeah. a good, let's have fun. <laughs> How are you Liz? Good or really yeah. good? Are you good or really right. good? And, <laughs> and that just like none of this below the neck feeling stuff. That's Nancy, sure. you have a lot of anger, but I understand some yeah. people, don't know how to manage their feelings, never learned to right. manage. My mother put her feelings in a box, put them somewhere. Mm. I don't know where they were, but they were not yeah. present. So I, yeah. so, and finding your audience, like you, you, your audience, the more you are public, the more people know who they, who you are. And they come to see Liz Glazer specifically, which I mm -hmm. think you're on the track because you're, mm -hmm. you are, you are speaking your unarguable truth and mm -hmm. you are you. And I admire you so much. I'm more of a crowd oh. pleaser. I, I like, I go into a room and I'm like, Oh, what do these people want? I do. I put out my codependent feelers and I hate to admit sure. it. I hate to admit how good I am at mutating, uh, mm. and making it work. And there's a place for that, which is, I feel, you know, when I have my, this is why I'm doing this podcast. Cause I can drop in and be my authentic self, which is very complex. And yeah, yeah mm. I, I, I can drop in with, with different people, different ways. But anyway, my point is you, mm. The more you speak that who you are, Liz, the more you attract the specific, like that crowd that is like, oh, we like the range of feelings. And we know that sure. we know to have joy to this to this level, the joy of a birth. You also have to be willing to feel the grief and the, the very big heartache and that range, you know, that we yeah. that people that yeah. not everybody is willing to have. Not everybody. Right. Is. Right. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just feel that that's like kind of the way, 
you know, um, like there's a, I don't know if you know this show, we've been watching it a ton. It's called Couples Therapy. Do you know it? No, I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. What, it's where, do, so where is good, it? It's so good, Nancy. Okay. It's on, <laughs> it's on Showtime. We watch it either on, you can get it on Hulu with the Showtime add-on, or I think Paramount Plus with the Showtime add-on. And it's this, it's this therapist. Her name is Orna Goralnik and she's a couples therapist. And it's these real couples therapy sessions in a kind of docu, not kind of, it's a docu series um, that tracks like what went on with these couples through the course of like, you know, a few, I don't know, 10, 11 weeks, whatever it was of couples therapy with this therapist. And the therapist herself is amazing. And I want to pull a quote because I don't want to get it wrong. And it was so good. And I can paraphrase it, but I don't want to. Okay. Ah, yeah. People do better with the truth than without it. People underestimate themselves and spend unnecessary energy protecting themselves from truths that they fear will kill them and actually will make them stronger and will make them happier. Beautiful. Well, let's take one of your bits off your album, just okay. mentally. Like we'll tell people, hey, yeah. go listen to track number what? And uh-huh. then what I often do with comedians and we've already done it is we're, with this, this one is we're just showing the example of mm-hmm. it, what I want to inspire people who are maybe lay people. This podcast is often featuring comedians, but it's for anyone who feels isolated with trauma, stuck with trauma. We're just demonstrating how we take our pain and play with it. And it helps us mm-hmm. not be stuck. So mm-hmm. which track, if there is, is there one track that comes to mind in particular, or is it the whole the whole album. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there's stuff on the whole album. I don't remember the track number. I alluded to this a little bit earlier in this conversation that there was a joke, really the only like joke joke about stillbirth that was from the album, which was that it's really true that like, you know, if God forbid this happens to someone, then they, um, in the hospital, they, you know, tell you like you should have all of these physical experiences. And it is like a weekend at Bernie's with the baby. And it's like a kind of interesting, weird thing. Um, and so on the album, you know, I say, I say the weekend at Bernie's thing and I'm like, oh, and if, you know, if you don't get it, they show you the movie so that, which isn't really true. And then, you know, if you still don't know what I'm talking about, it's an Oscar winning film franchise from the early nineties, which if you know the movie weekend at Bernie's, it absolutely is not. And yes. And this is, I, I'm over here going, I'm sure you're like, why is Nancy just leaving me hanging on this joke? Because I have never seen or even know of a weekend oh, at Bernie's. So, I'm so sorry. I, I, no. don't, I don't know what it, I need to watch it, but what is a no, weekend no. at Bernie's? I, it's, it's like a silly movie. That's like a bro movie. I think there were two of them and there, I don't know who the actor is, but it was a guy who in the movie was a dead man. Oh um, God. And okay. They, they like, I, I can't, I think it was Andrew McCarthy and, somebody else. Um, and he might've like owned the house 
that they were like in on a vacation in the movie. It was like a kind of like Caddyshack ish type of movie or whatever That's- from the eighties or, or the, the ninety. I don't know. I think early nineties, but in any event, so they would like, like the whole bit of the whole movie was that this guy was dead and they would like prop him up and hang out with him and whatever. And oh so, my god! So they sort of used him like a prop, but they yeah yeah they, that's the whole okay. movie, oh, right? And yeah. there was also Weekend at Bernie's too. And so you know whatever. So <laughs> so like, anyway, had, now yeah. it's just bones or what happened? I don't know. But it's I guess it was the same guy. I did not. I didn't make it, it was, to. Weekend at Bernie's too. I did not see that movie. But in any event, like, you <laughs> but, know, it's a reference that like generally audiences, when I'm saying that this was what they did, which it really was in the hospital, you know, that that reference lands in in most situations. Mo- most because people, people have, are like yeah, they've seen it and it's like yeah, oh, they have the absurdity like, of interacting right, with right. a decedent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, I get and it. so and then the end of the end of what I say about it is that um in addition to doing all the physical like hanging out or whatever, um, they also at the hospital they asked us, they were like, You really should take pictures as a family. Um, because <sighs> like that's part of the protocol. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that was like our reaction to it, which was just like that's, uh, okay, like I guess. I guess we'll do what you say, but like, isn't that kind of weird and creepy and like super sad? And then I, I really, I felt those things. And then I also felt like, ugh, and I'm such a bad person because I'm thinking that it is creepy and sad, but can I tell you that I happen to look amazing in these photos? (laughs) Yeah. And And now it's our holiday card. So. (laughs) Right. I'm like, right, exactly. I think what I said in I mean, I've done different versions of the joke, but I think the one on the album is like, I mean, it's going to take a lot to crop this kid out, but I think we're looking at a new headshot, you know? And, (laughs) And then I've told the joke since, and I've added that like, you know, listen, if you're listening and you're offended by that joke, I just want to remind you that this happened to me and not you. And also that you don't understand how good I looked in these photos. And so, um, (laughs) that's so great, Liz. I mean, it really brought me, it brings me right back. And I love that. It's like, I, I had needs. I still exist. Um, it, right. It, and juxtaposed with this tragedy. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, and it's I think brilliant. It also, that's brilliant. Yeah, I oh, it. thank you. I appreciate that, Nancy. And I think it, it, because, I mean, it comes, you know, obviously it comes from truth in the obvious ways of this happening, but also it, it was like interesting to me that I'm such a gross person that even when I'm looking at the photos from this tragic photo shoot my first thought is how do I look (laughs) right which is like I didn't even because I I believe that I do that at some sub or unconscious level literally anytime I'm in a photo at all right and I don't (laughs) think that that's just me but um you know the fact that even in that photo I'm still like but hey I mean did you see what a hair day I was having you know or whatever so anyway yeah. so that's that's an example oh man of- and that does it says so much in that in that bit like you said exactly how we're all looking at ourselves in pictures 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to cough. Hang on one second. <coughs> oh, man. It made yeah. me laugh. You made me laugh. That uh, You made me choke a little bit. So that. Oh, that's sorry. a good joke. No, that's a that's a good <laughs> that's a good one. <clears throat> when I when I inhale my Earl Grey the wrong way. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a really good, good, good joke. And, Thank it, you. and it, it does. And it, it's it's. Yeah, it's 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 I like that it's right next to the mm. tragedy. The yeah. it's not on the nose. That's one of the things too where it's like you don't necessarily make fun of the loss itself. It's sometimes right. you take concentric circles and you go out until you find the funny and just showing yeah. people how to do that. This is an aside on the other, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for demonstrating yeah, that. Of and, course. And that's the whole yeah. like I say, this is the main the main point of this and also mm. connection and finding those mm-hmm. common common threads in our lives that I just feel like so many of us and that's something in our pro and I mean you said you're in a 12 step program mm-hmm. uh, there's something in our program about you know we think we all think we're very unique and we are unique beings but that our experiences are really not that unique you know that right a lot of us come from a trauma or dysfunctional childhoods mm-hmm. that we have adapted to with these survival traits and humor is one of mm-hmm. our sur- tools. And again, yeah. if it's, if you're not feeling, if you're just using it to escape, that's mm-hmm. not healthy. But if you're, if it, if you're able to touch in and grieve, yeah. but then you have this buoyancy of humor to help, you know, I can do it. I can, I can dive in and really feel and cry my eyes out and let my heart feel everything and then know that I can get resourced with humor, with higher power or whatever the way you resource. Yeah. 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 I mean, trying to, I think, you know, part of the thing for me is like, like everybody has their own different origin story into comedy. Um, but like, I think for me, the thing that was most attractive about it because I did it, I was teaching law at the time that I did comedy for the first time. I was teaching already for seven years and I didn't mean to do comedy. Somebody who I admired, I, I took an improv class and the teacher from the improv class who I thought was just like, oh my God, the best, like you're so fearless. And I you know, thought she was amazing, which she is. She was like, have you ever thought of doing stand-up? And I said, no. And then she's like, well, I would put you on my show. I'd give you 10 minutes on my show if you do stand up. And I still said no. And then she said, um, well, let me tell you that a lot of people would really want that spot, which now, of course, I know. But at the time, I had no idea. But I, I knew that I liked things that other people would want. <laughs> yeah, and there's so, that competitive spirit. Right. I was like, wait, what? OK, I'll that- do it. And and like, you know the thing that was most attractive about it for me was the fact that I could be totally honest, you know, and it would take a while for me to like figure out that just being totally honest is not enough to, you know, to, I mean, it's, it's enough to be a person, but it's like, if you're going to get on stage and do comedy, um, in order for you to, to have it go the way that you really want it to go and to get laughs. It's not just about being honest, but I think being honest is a really good start. And so absolutely like, beautiful foundation. And then, yeah. so if you, and that, okay, sorry, you, you were in, no, no. and, and so if that's your foundation, that, yeah. authentic, uh, that authenticity from there, yeah. you can grow your skills right. to find exactly. the funny. And obviously we have to deliver consistently yeah. But that's yeah. so cool because I think a lot of comedians and 
I, uh-huh. I have mentored a, a few people. I don't find that I'm a very good teacher, but my okay. message when I, when I do mentor and I've mentored a, a handful of people, I want yeah. to see you fail. That's what I, that's my first requirement because yeah. if you're going up there and you're succeeding every time, then I kind of know you're, you're working from the top down. You yeah. are kind of maybe stealing. It's material. like you, you might be stealing material. The, you might be taking right. some, Oh, I saw this work. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then sure, you, sure. you work from the funny back down to the authentic, the authentic part of you. And some people never right. get, some people never, I mean, I, we know this, some people, that's not their thing. You know, they, yeah. maybe they're just, you know, very clever wordsmiths or, mm-hmm. and I know it still has to express something for other people. And I throw a couple of puns in here and there just because I'm yeah. a crowd pleaser. I want to like a little something yeah. for everybody, but definitely right. I love that you're, premise is it's gotta, it's gotta be true. And then from there, let's find the funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was like, you know, always a big thing for me. And when this happened, you know, I mean, I was like, Oh my God, am I not even as a comedian, but just like, am I ever gonna be funny again as a person? You know, that was a worry for me. And am I ever going to laugh again? Because everything seems so not funny right when this happened, you know, for obvious reasons, the stillbirth, I mean, and then, um, I started thinking, I was like, I mean, nobody would ever want this to happen. It's obviously a tragedy. I'm not thankful it happened. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's an interesting, like problem for someone to have as a comedian if the reason that they got into comedy is because they wanted to be honest. And that really like caused me to know that I wanted to do the album about it because I was like, this is exactly the kind of thing that I specifically should do my debut album about because this is, you know, the thing that happened that's like so scary to be honest about. And so intense in, in both directions, you know, the, the yeah. love, the deep love of, of yeah. you know, you, we, we fall in love with our child before they're born and right. then the extreme loss and wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And then you and I, oh, sure. um, yes. wow. I mean, that was a really lame uh, synopsis. Thank you so much for sharing uh-huh. that. Yeah, I, I no, mean, but, but I, seriously, I, thank I, you for dropping in, yes, in life course, in general. Nancy, thank you. I'm glad you're out there in closing. I think it's cool yes. that you and I are going to intersect again on the West coast. Yes, We are doing this event together for emergency I'm room so nurses. Excited. How crazy yeah. is this that yeah. I'm like, first of all, I want to say Liz, Stay in your lane. What are you doing in my nurse conf- your, my <laughs> nursing conferences? And yes, I'm so glad that you're going to be at this nursing conference. So. Yeah, I'm super psyched. And so I, yeah, I've never, I have not done a nursing conference before. Uh, I'm very excited. Do you have tips? Because oh, just know that the nurses. So I do a lot of nursing shows. I do a lot of shows for Great. nurses. I call myself Great. the recharge nurse. I want to help nurses. Okay do, you know, stay at their jobs because we're losing so many nurses right now yes. with burnout. So, you know, humor gives you, you know, energy, resilience, it uh, helps with job yeah. retention. So that's sort of my thing is like, right. I want to be a healer for the healers and yes. help them get that stuck energy. What I would tell you is, yeah, you yeah. don't have to be shy about dark humor. I right. like when I have my comedian friends on my shows at Comedy Works, I'm like, just know that they are fine. In fact, yeah. love the dark humor. They love the gallows humor. They, uh-huh. especially emergency room nurses, are seeing uh-huh. everything. They do have to express that 
tension and yeah. that trauma. So yeah, just take it, you know, do not feel shy about yeah. your gallows or dark humor. Liz, thank you. Thank you so much for everything, for sharing. And really, uh, I'm yes. looking forward to seeing you out in California. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and totally. I will uh, put in the show notes a link to your album oh, and thanks. anything else that you want in there that people can find resources for. Have you found any sure. resources for grieving a stillborn, a book that yeah. you've read, anything like that that you would want to yeah. share? Totally. Um, I, I didn't read specifically books, um, about it. There was, uh, Irving Yahalom, um, is an author. Um, he had a bunch of books that I listened to, um, that aren't about stillbirth specifically, but they're about grief and loss. But, um, I found, and this is a local thing, so it's not going to be directly applicable, but there was a, a group locally. Um, there was a bereavement group that was started by a couple that had had a stillborn child. And then they went on to have children, live children, um, as well, but they run, uh, an organization called pockets of light, but we went to the bereavement group that pockets of light offered. And then they also offered a pregnancy after loss group, as well that we also went to. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it was really helpful. Well, many blessings on your Thank you and to you. On your baby Eloise and oh, on thanks. your continued growth as a comedian and yeah, partnership thanks. with your wife. And thank thank you. seriously, thank you so much, Liz. And we'll thank you. We'll see you in September. Yeah. Okay, have a have a good one and you too. I can never end it. This is my problem. Let's just keep doing this. <laughs> and you too. No, you too, Liz. <laughs> I want to thank my guest, Liz Glazer, for sharing authentically as always. And I want to thank my son for putting together the music for Traumedy. And I want to thank the folks that have messaged me to tell me that Traumedy is helping you. And... That's enough gratitude for me. And if you happen to be in a position where you would like to support Traumedy financially, I think there's a button somewhere. I don't know how it works with Spotify. They just sent me a message saying your listeners can support you. So I welcome that. I would love to hire a sound engineer because I am doing all the sound engineering and I don't know. I tend to stay up all night on Mondays so that I can launch this podcast every Tuesday because it's important to me that you know it's Traumedy Tuesdays. Something reliable is happening every Tuesday, which is Traumedy. 